You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Come in to visit from out of town uh, this week, and you were just got here in the last day or two. You might have missed the big windstorms that we had earlier in the week. Um, there was enough wind that it just had neighbors who thought that maybe something was going to blow off of their house. I was afraid the fence was going to fall down in my backyard, um, and it brought with it um, all this wind. It brought this cold behind it where it got down to like 14 degrees again after it had been warm. And for a little while, it felt like maybe spring hadn't really come. Um, you have these days where the wind storms and the cold that settles in after it, and you wonder, like, is it really spring or did the winter just return to us here? But then I would take a walk. Um, and even on those windy days, I would go and take my dog on a walk at the little park behind the neighborhood here, um, because I live in this neighborhood. So I was going out in the, a walk in that park, and there were all these signs that, yes, spring is actually here. Um, the park that we have is more of like a natural area, so it's got a couple of mown paths, but it has all this tall grass that is just not tended at all. And so there's all the tall brown grass that's left over from last year. But underneath it all, there's now a shade of green as the new grass is growing up underneath it. And one of my favorite things about going out in that park and one of the signs of spring that I feel is all of the birds that are out there. Um, I would see on those windy days these plump robins. I think the fattest robins I have ever seen because I think they were puffing up their feathers trying to stay warm in the midst of this cold wind. And then one of my favorites are the red-winged blackbirds. There's a little marshy area down there, and they'll just alight on the reeds. And they have this, this distinctive trill that adds. And the voice of all the birds around them are, are adding to it. I'd occasionally hear a flicker pounding on a dead piece of wood. Um, I would see the blue jays kind of being their raucous selves and the, the magpies playing and, and other birds that I don't know because I'm, I don't know all the birds. Um, and so it's just this beautiful, this, between the grass and, and the, the, the warming weather at times and the birds, it's the sign of spring. And then yesterday I took a walk and I got a bug in my mouth for the first time this season, <laughs> which is one of the less pleasant signs of spring. Um, the bugs are returning as well. But um, the truth is that amidst all of this new life, after the cold and quiet of winter, it is difficult not to use the language of resurrection. We say that the land is stirring from its slumber or that it is coming to life again. We use the language of the resurrection to describe what is happening around us. And oftentimes, new hope comes with it as the season change and as we get outside and we see this new life springing around, it brings a sense of hope into our lives as we see the earth restored again. And God knows that we need to talk about resurrection, that we need to know that life springs again after things are dead, because there are a thousand ways, or more than a thousand, a thousand thousand ways that we suffer some sort of death and feel the need for new life. My neighbor, who was walking her dog at the same time as me out in that little park, and she's not a Christian, but she knows that I am a pastor, um, and she came up to me after a particularly difficult tax day. She'd done her taxes and said, you know, I've been thinking of resurrection because I need a financial resurrection. (laughs) 
And I know that even just in the past few weeks and days, some of us have gotten bad news about our health or have gotten bad news about the health of a loved one. Some of us have experienced the death of a friend or a family member. And others have felt the pain of long, unfulfilled dreams or of dreams newly set aside. And of course, beyond our personal struggles, there is the world around us. Reading the news can feel a lot like the litany of the fall that Trevor read last night, which is a compilation um, after we'd read about the fall at our Easter vigil. There's this compilation that's put together of all the places where death is mentioned in the, in the Bible. And it just says, and there was death, and there was death, and he died, and she died, and there was death, and there was death. And sometimes when I open up the news in the morning to check on what has happened in the world, and I look at what's going on in Russia, and I hear about shootings in New York, and I hear about all the other things that are happening, it just feels like that litany of the fall. There was death, and there was death, and there was death. And then, in the midst of death all around us and signs of new life in the spring and in the earth, we have Easter that we come to. Here is the sign that we've all been waiting for, right? Here is the indication that hope really does spring eternal and that no circumstance is beyond redemption and restoration. And this is good, and it gives us hope. And yet, and yet, we must be careful here. Because it's easy, with the signs of life all around us, to use the resurrection of Jesus as just one sign of hope among many. As one more metaphor of new life springing again. It gives us hope and maybe a feeling of being uplifted. We come here and we sing all this joyous music after we've had the season of Lent. We say our hallelujahs, we wave the streamers around, and there's this sense as we gather together of joy. But as much as I want us to enter into that fully because we want to worship God with all that we are, I also want us to remember that it is not just manufacturing a sense of of positive feeling. It's not just coming for inspiration on a day that we feel that there's one more sign that there's hope. What we are proclaiming is not a metaphor. What we are proclaiming is not just one sign of hope among many. It is the truth. And it is the power of God. And it is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the truth and the power of God that we actually have hope. Not just feelings welling up within us, but real, true, lasting hope. Because the resurrection is true, we know that we have hope in the face of sin. As we told the story of our salvation last night at the Easter Vigil, we told the story of creation and then we told the story of the fall, of how sin entered the world. And when you're looking through salvation history, even as we told it, there are all these signs of hope that God is working and stirring, but there's also this reality that keeps coming up, that every person that you think that is part of the story where things might change... Maybe they'll be different after, after Adam fell. He made a mistake, but maybe they'll be different in the next generation and Cain kills his brother. Well, 
Maybe they'll be different after that, and the earth descends into wickedness. But then there's Noah, and maybe they're going to be different after God wipes out humanity with a flood, and Noah sins as well. And then God chooses Abraham, and Abraham walks after him in faith, and we think, here's the one, it's going to be different. He's going he's to lead into a new way of life, and he sins, and he lies, he's afraid. And yes, there's hope in there, but he isn't enough. And then there's Joseph, and it looks like the fortunes of Abraham's family are being restored as Joseph, for all that he goes through and suffers, he goes as a slave into Egypt, and he's lifted up into a place of power, and as maybe the people of Israel now have found a place where they can thrive, and then they fall into slavery. The story is no different. People are subjugated. And then there's Moses, and maybe he's the one who can do it, right? He's the chosen one who is saved out of the, the river, And he kills a man, and he flees, and God tells him to go talk to Pharaoh, and he says, I'm scared, and I don't know that I can do it. And he leads the people of Israel through deliverance in the Red Sea, and they complain, and they whine. They don't get it. Nothing's different. And we could go on and on and on. David, a man after God's own heart, lusts after a woman and murders a man so that he can take his wife for his own. There is death, and there is death, and there is death, and there is no hope because no one is able to walk the the life faithfully that God has called. There is no man who can restore us to new life until we get to Jesus. And in Jesus, we said from the very beginning of Lent as we entered into this, we see as he faces temptation, he comes out and is faithful. Among all the people in the Bible, they treat sin realistically. Jesus is the only one who comes out unscathed, who doesn't have a moment of doubt. He doesn't waver. He trusts and he follows after God. And then he goes and he is killed on a cross and he dies And the question is, is the story any different now? Because if the one faithful man died, then it just means that everything ends in death. But then we come to Easter and there is the resurrection. And because there is the resurrection and the one faithful man, the new Adam, who was able to enter into new life and carry us into it with him so that we can identify with him in our baptism, now we have forgiveness of sins. Because I, I'm not faithful, not perfectly. And you're not either, if you didn't know that already. (laughs) But he is. And because he was vindicated by God, because he rose again, there is the forgiveness of sins. Peter, at the end of his message to the Gentiles uh, that we heard in Acts this morning, that's his culmination of talking about the resurrection, is that now that you know that the resurrection has happened, now that you know that Jesus came, there is the forgiveness of sins. And what this means is not just that we're wiped clean and counted okay and it's so that we can one day go away and be in heaven. It means that God has started the renewal of all things. God created the world and it was good. And then God created human, human, humanity. Um, there we go. Men and women. And it was very good. And then it was bad. And there was death and there was death and there was death. And then it was very, 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 very good because Jesus was good. And in him, we have the new Adam, the recreation of all things. 
And so because of that, we have real and true hope. Hope that good things will endure and that evil will pass away. One of the other things that Peter said in his message that we heard in Acts is that Jesus has been raised as the judge of the whole world. And a lot of times we don't think of judgment as itself good news. But when we look at the world around us and we see the sin and the sorrow and the disappointments all around us, and we say, will this ever end? The way that it ends is in judgment. That is how sin ends. And the only way that it can end is if there is one who is righteous who can be the judge. One who actually knows what is good and what is not. Because again, if we're just looking at me, I get it wrong a lot of the time. I go after things that I think are good, and then I find out that they're really not. I make decisions the best that I can, but they fall apart sometimes. It doesn't quite work out how I wanted it to. And so I can't be the judge. And if you have a life story where nothing has ever gone wrong, let's sit down and talk about it because I want to hear about how you've done that. But my guess is that you can't be the judge either. But Jesus, Jesus can be the judge. And he knows what is good and what is bad. He knows the truth of it. And so he can judge the world, not just sorting people into the you passed and the you failed piles, but destroying all sin forever and allowing that which is good to endure. This is the promise of the renewal of the world. This is the promise of resurrection. That even as his body passed away, as when God raised him from the dead, he came through death. And what was good, Jesus himself endured. And one day you and I will die. Unless God comes back first. When we die, we will be judged. And all that is sin in us will pass away and will die and be destroyed. Now here's the real message of the gospel and where this really hits home. Is that apart from Christ, everything I do is sin. Every little bit of it. Nothing I do is good enough. Nothing of it lives up to God's standards. But in Christ, in Christ, now that new creation has begun in me. Now there is something good that is worth keeping and worth enduring. Now when I face the judge, there is the part of me that has identified with him in his death and has died to sin, has been risen to new life already, that that work has begun in me. And now I have hope of resurrection. Not just Christ's resurrection, but my own. Because I, my life is hidden in Christ. 
My life is with Him. This is the hope that is held out to us, is that if we identify with Christ, then resurrection has begun in us already. That in our baptism, we really descend into death for sin, and we rise in new life in Christ Jesus. And there is hope that we will endure the judgment that comes before us. And in this hope, there is this beautiful mystery that God is beginning the resurrection of the world, the renewal of the world through us. That it's not only we ourselves who will endure, but in some way, when we look at the picture of what happens at the final judgment, there is a new heavens and a new earth. And it passes through fire, but it's a refining fire, not a destroying fire. It's one that clears away everything that is impure, everything that is not good, and leaves behind that which is truly good. So now, in Christ, if you have Christ in you, if you have identified with Him in His baptism, and in your baptism, and identified with Him in His death and in His resurrection, now the things that you do have hope of enduring. It doesn't always seem that way because the works of our hands, things fall apart all the time. But this is the only real hope for change because there's a a false gospel here, a false hope in which people want to be able to say that we as humans through our sort of inner indomitable human spirit can eventually work up and build up enough good in us and enough good among enough people that we can change the world for the better and there's going to be this progress and we're going to see things getting better and better and better and better and then we see it all fall apart and we say what happened i thought we'd move past the need for war in the west and now there's war again what happened sin happened And things fall apart and are destroyed and buildings fall apart and people lose their lives. But there is hope because in Christ things will endure. In Christ there is a sense in which if I've given a cup of water to someone in His name, then it's something that Jesus will look and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That if I care for a child who needs a mother and a father, that that act can endure not just for that child's lifetime, but forever. If I love my family well, this is the hope that we have in the resurrection. I think that in some way, our creative work, the art that we create, the, the songs that we sing, there's some way in which the culture that we create is going to be brought up into the new heavens and the new earth. Because the Revelation says that there's going to be every tribe and tongue is going to be worshiping. So these human languages that develop are going to be carried into the new creation. The place, the city of God that we are destined for is a place of beauty. And there is a sense that everything we're doing right now is training us for that eternal beauty. And that is true in Christ because of the resurrection. His is the hope that we have, not just for right now, not for escape from the world, but for the renewal of all things in Him and in His great mercy through us as well. This is what it means when we call ourselves Christians. We are little Christs. 
we carry into the world that hope of the resurrection in us. And so as we continue to sing today, as we continue to celebrate, as we feast on what God has, because of what God has done for us, carrying you the hope of the resurrection, but it's not just a feeling. It's not just a momentary respite from the cares of the world. It is the truth. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, there is real hope for you and for me. If we have our lives in Him, they will endure. If we love and serve in His name, it will endure. Because even if it passes into the grave, it is not beyond the power and touch of God to restore it and bring it back. This is what we mean when we say that Alleluia, Christ is risen. The world has changed. The world is different. Because sin doesn't have the final word. Death doesn't have the victory. The victory is in Christ Himself. And we share in that victory. So let us proclaim together, Alleluia. I mean, really, seriously, let's play together, Alleluia. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.